two to tie. Michigan will have to bring it. Oh, he walked. He walked and the referee missed it. Weber brings it into the front court. They have no timeouts remaining. Oh, he calls it too many timeouts. That's a technical foul. He called a timeout. Michigan doesn't yes. have any. He got by with a walk, and Jimmy calls a technical. He, he calls a timeout. He doesn't realize that's Michigan's too many, and so it'll be a technical foul. North Carolina shooting and the ball. A huge mental mistake. Mental mistake. Mental mistake. Episode thirty-four, I think this is. Yes, thirty-four of no timeouts. Rodney's reports presenting no timeouts. It's me, Rodney. I'm back. Uh, we're actually getting consistent on this. Um, getting some NBA playoff. Uh, analysis, breakdown, you know, we're midway through the second round right now. Well, actually, in the East, we're midway through the second round. Western Conference hasn't started. Uh, the Clippers blew out the Nuggets game one, as expected. Uh, but on to talk about the Toronto Raptors and the uh, in the East. Uh, my good man, uh, Arise. Man, Reese, how you doing, man? How's how's it feel after watching OG hit that shot last night, man? Man, first of all, Rodney, it's always good to be on the on Rodney's reports. We're, we're a big fan. Uh, we always listen uh, whenever you have the time to get yes, out sir. here. Uh, Real friends. You no, know, you know, And uh, man, uh, my voice is a little raspy now, a little little low. Uh, don't have control over my body right now after what happened yesterday. Uh, you can talk to my roommates; they'll they'll attest to it. Uh, <laughs> I, I was just happy that there was a you know even a fraction of a second left on the clock just for some type of, uh, are we allowed to swear on this podcast? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, toss, toss some bullshit up and see what <laughs> happens. Uh, I wasn't going to be upset with, you know, the outcome of the game. I, I knew down 2-0 against what is probably a matchup nightmare and a better playoff team uh, just with the amount of shot creators they had there and what they were able to do game one and two that they get the, the guys, they fought really hard defensively. They were on point and, you know, we would have liked to have some shots hit, but the the fact that we were right there down two gave ourselves a chance to take the game in overtime or get the win. And, you know, OG Ananobi, we've been talking about that boy. Uh, he, he's been a secret to the NBA uh, for a minute now, a couple years, and he missed out on the playoff run last year. It was just so good after a tough year uh, for him to hit a shot like that and kind of have his welcome welcome OG to the NBA big stage moment. Uh, yeah, definitely his, yeah, definitely his biggest moment for sure. You know, like you said, he missed the playoff run last year, I think for some injury, I forget which injury. Um, but yeah, so it's two one now, like what's your, what's your confidence level right now that the Raptors can actually win the series? I saw, you know, I saw, I'm sure you saw Freddie, Van Vliet talking about, you know, that they done messed up. They, they done fucked up. That's they done messed up. Like, you know what I'm saying? They got a little mojo. You know, Lowry was down there about to cry. He was so happy. Yep. Uh, well, uh, I, I think even down 2-0, you could – I don't know if you follow Raptors Twitter or follow any of the Raptors beat writers, but there was a sense of, you know, that cautious optimism. And it comes with the territory. You're fresh off of a championship. You – You've been in the gutter before with a really tough back-and-forth series with Philly, um, even though Kawhi carried a big load there. And then Milwaukee, where down 2-0 in the hole, and you're questioning Kawhi Leonard's health. And then you have Van Fleet, Norman Powell, Larry Siakam, Kawhi together just have those big moments, big buckets, and have kind of been there before where their back's against the wall and you got to kind of show some championship DNA there. And for the fact that, you know, we knew this was coming game three right off the bat. You're down 2-0. It was going to be a Kyle Lowry game. Um, so there was just 
a little bit of optimism that we, we felt good about our defense. We felt good about the intensity. It was only a matter of time for shots to fall. And they didn't even really fall that well in game three, but uh, just an unbelievable performance, Kyle Lowry and uh, just spurts of like every player, even though they might not have necessarily had a good game, had a good three, four minute stretch where we really needed it. Like Norman Powell, who is non-existent for three quarters. And then, we're down six in the fourth after having a lead and it feels like the game's getting away from us. Two big threes or two big shots there. And then Van Fleet, who wasn't doing anything in the first quarter, uh, Brad Stevens kind of plays chess with himself and puts Enos Canner in. And then Fred Van Fleet hits a three right away with Canner playing drop coverage. So it was um, just a collective effort. You knew the defense was going to be there. The offense might not be as consistent as Boston, but the thing with a team like Toronto with having so much depth is you're going to get a moment from seven, eight guys on that team. And sometimes it's enough. You might not have that pure shot creator like a, a Tatum or a Kemba, but you're going to have eight guys that you don't know which one of these guys are, you know, going to come out and have a big playoff moment. No, that's definitely true. That's definitely crazy. Also, like after the, the game was over, um, realizing that, that Boston was in a zone in that final play, uh, and it reminded me of a point that you had just made this with, like, Brad Stevens almost probably maybe doing too much, like, almost outthinking himself, like, when it came to, like, oh, now, like, you're up 2-0. Enos Kanter hasn't played at all, and you're up 2-0. But now that they're now that y'all are going zone, you bring in Enos Kanter knowing that he's going to be a liability on the other end. And don't get me wrong, he got us some rebounds and some putbacks, so I guess he wasn't a total, you know – like negative but yeah I don't know I, I thought it was interesting I think this was probably the first game that Nick Nurse won that coaching battle absolutely um and just to follow up on on that point I don't know why Brad Stevens overthought this and some Boston fans that I follow on Twitter will attest to this um the one question in this series was the Siakam versus Tatum uh, was the first question uh, who would win that matchup well it's clearly Tatum at this point but also can Boston's depth and bench guys hold Toronto serve or 50%, you know, um, 50, 50, just don't, don't lose those minutes. You, and for the most part throughout this series, they've won those minutes, actually. Marcus Smart's been unbelievable, even though he's starting now. Uh, Ojale has been fantastic. Brad Wanamaker's hitting circus shots that I haven't seen before and playing great defense. Uh, and the story there is Robert Williams, like Robert Williams has been fantastic playing great help defense. Right, one-on-one defense on Siakam, and whenever he gets those minutes, he's taking them away. Uh, good help side. And then on offense, uh, he's just rolling to the rim. He's, you know, he's getting put-back dunks or he's finishing alley-oops. Uh, he's been fantastic. So you've identified three, four guys that you can trust there, uh, which was a question mark going into the series for Boston. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, got kind of carried away. He was feeling himself a little bit, saying, okay, uh, this is a back and forth tennis match. Let me see what Enos Kanter can do, knowing this isn't Enos Kanter's series. And there, if Boston wins, there's going to be a time and a place where you can, you, you might want Enos Kanter, like say if you were playing the Bucks, if the Bucks get past Miami, um, that type of series, he might have an impact where you can just put him on a Brooke Lopez, a, another seven footer. But uh, I think Toronto just has too much speed. Uh, even their bigs are just high IQ and set good screens. The only thing you can really do on defense for Enos Kanter is drop coverage or um, him playing behind Gasol on any post-ups, which we won't post up uh, Mark Gasol at this point in his career. And it, when he was going drop coverage, Fred Van Fleet three, drop coverage again, 
Kyle Lowry mid-range. We won those, I think, the, I believe the score while he was on uh, the court was 15 to 10. Uh, and in such a tight game, such a tight series, uh, you can't afford that if you're Boston. No, 100%. Uh, so, yeah, so going forward, like, where, where how do you, are you still confident the Raptors are going to win? I'm, I'm assuming that you, regardless of logic, picked them before the series started. So, like, mm-hmm. so what's, what's going on here? Now that I know that we got a game, uh, it makes me think what could have been with game two, because game two, I thought we thoroughly outplayed Boston, even though uh, there were a little back and forth moments. But once I saw that we were up 10, which we honestly could have been up 12 to end that fourth or that, that third, excuse me. And if we did, I think we're going smooth sailing, but those final 30 seconds kind of bit us. And then Marcus Smart, who, you know, God love him. He's an elite defender, decent passer. You know, he's got a floater. He's got, you know, a decent uh, pull-up game to him. Hitting five, six threes in the fourth quarter. That was just, you, you can kind of live with yourself because they have so many weapons on offense that you want to take away. And if Marcus Smart beats you, so be it. You kind of hope, you just kind of dare him to do it four times. And if, Toronto even got caught up doing that. I get they're going to do that all series. And when you have Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, you kind of have to pick your poison a little bit. Um, but it just makes me think that Toronto, even with a Hail Mary shot by a great shooter, you know, great up-and-coming young player, we are feeling that we could have been up 2-1. You talk to a Boston fan who's thinking some uh, a few minority actually think are thinking, well, we could have been up 3-0, we're way better. But a lot of them are in panic mode from what I've seen, uh, been seeing. And uh, it might be an ag- anecdote and just from my perspective. But Boston fans are nervous now. Uh, Toronto, we're kind of – I don't want to say we're playing with house money when you're losing the series. But if the Raptors lost in the second round after finishing second overall in the NBA, uh, if you were to ask me last summer, I would have said – that's amazing. We'll take it, you know, losing Kawhi Leonard. But the fact, you know, um, we think we have a chance. Got to gotta win three of five here. Well, we think we can do it. And the great thing about it is we won a game while our shooting was still atrocious and Pascal Siakam still hasn't found his touch. And if we can just revert to the mean a little bit here, um, we think we have a series here. Yeah, that's definitely true. I know one thing that I thought was interesting, especially before the series had even started, was the whole uh, conversation basically on who was going to be the best player on the court uh, throughout the series. And, of course, it ended up kind of being a Siakam versus Tatum argument. Uh, I think, like you said, the first three games have kind of made that conversation go away. But, like, I don't know. How do you feel about that? Because I know you was you know, you was caping for Siakam. Um, so yeah, so like, so how are you feeling? Like, where do you where do you rank Siakam? Like, where do you stand on that whole debate? I, I it's obviously Tatum at this point, and Kemba's. You can make an argument Kemba's been the best player in this series, followed by Jason Tatum, and then at that three spot, you can debate whether you like the one or one and a half games you got out of Jalen Brown versus Kyle Lowry um, versus Marcus Smart's uh, performance. Um, but the one thing with Siakam, it, at this point, um, it, it, you're scratching lottery tickets here with his offense. You don't know what you're going to kind of get here throughout the bubble. And he struggled throughout the bubble, not only with his shooting, but his touch. Uh, early in the bubble, he's had trouble with turnovers. But since then, I think he's been a pretty decent playmaker. And he's sucking in covers. They're still showing him respect. It's not like they're hiding anybody on him. Uh, uh, they're, they're committing bodies on him. And 
they're forcing him to make decisions and he wants to get himself going. So he's going to sometimes put up some bullshit and he's, he's not confident right now as a scorer. But I think the one thing with Siakam that you're always going to get, you're always going to get a late, a lead defense from him. And uh, I just want to highlight Jason Tatum shot five of 18 uh, his three primary defenders on him. His main one's been Kyle Lowry, but on switches, uh, ISO situation, you're going to get Ananobi on him. And Tatum has shown that he struggled with Tatum on him or uh, Ananobi on him, excuse me, as well as Siakam. And Siakam for that better part of the fourth quarter essentially took Jason Tatum out the game. And we're not just going to highlight his one-on-one defense. Uh, what Toronto does a lot is they're overhelping defense. They mix in a lot of zone coverage and whatnot. They like to switch things up to make shooters uncomfortable and Siakam is just so elite in that role because he's so fast he's so long so and he can get out and run once they get the stop so all of those things were there uh we can nitpick at the half court and the half court offense is uh it's a work in progress and he will be better as the series goes on first if shots fall second if Kyle Lowry continues to be just a dog where he's blowing by Marcus Smart or uh, whomever guarding him on the pick and roll and really attacking the paint. Uh, we need the guards to kind of take some attention away from Siakam and, and have a little, little bit of an easier matchup for him. Let him get that in and out game going. Let him get a little bit of a feel for the ball going downhill. So I'm, up, I'm upset that, you know, I've see, I see the slander and whatnot because Raptors fans have seen such a good version of Siakam where he's borderline a top 10 player two-way and it's it's hard to be so good and so intense on defense and then bring a lot on offense and vice versa um but he was so good at doing it at the early part of the year and he he struggled but even in a struggle game for Siakam uh he had two points in the first half he finished off with 16 I believe like seven rebounds uh played really good defense on Tatum so like if you think about your average or above average player you're like that's pretty good stat line but because he's Batman for our team and a number one option uh, especially Kawhi Leonard set the bar so high of what an elite two-way superstar is supposed to do. Um, there's a little bit of disappointment there, but, you know, as, as you get deeper into the playoffs, we knew we weren't going to win the battle of the who has the best number one option. Um, so we just got to continue to play team basketball, move the best, you know, share the rock, move the basketball around here. And uh, finally, please God, hit some shots. Yeah, I definitely – I mean, before the series started, I think – I it was. I thought it was definitely a, a, a toss-up. I had Raptors in seven uh, just because um, I didn't really trust Boston's bench. Um, but I think we – I mean, we already touched on it, how Boston's bench has really outplayed the Raptors' bench up to this point. And I'm also surprised yep. that Nurse is pretty much playing seven people. Like, he hasn't really dipped into the Terrence Davises of the world or the yep. Matt Thomases of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, thank God he isn't playing uh, Rondé Hollis Jefferson. That, that's, <laughs> that's where he doesn't need to dip. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? It's like something's got to give. But, like, I don't know. I just – I don't know. I, I, I moving, moving forward, with all this being said, assuming – and this is kind of be like a segue into the rest of the playoffs, um, or at least the, the other series in the East. Assuming the Raptors win in six or seven, uh, which team in the other series would you rather play? I'd rather play Miami because sometimes in the playoffs, uh, and some people might not agree, every once in a while, the the best team doesn't win. Uh, you can make an argument with my Raptors that we weren't the best team in the playoffs if you consider a healthy Warriors team with full Kevin Durant service for six or seven games, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, 
um, uh, you need a little luck um, to move forward. Uh, but I think in terms of just on paper, I think the Toronto Raptors are a better team than the Miami Heat. I think OG Ananobi served as a huge problem for what Miami Heat wanted to do on offense in the bubble, uh, the game that we played them because he guarded Bam Adebayo uh, to step up on those Duncan, Duncan Robinson uh, two-man handoff plays and screen and rolls. Um, and I, I think we can kind of just take away what they want to do best. And then for an ISO defender uh, to put on Jimmy Butler to close out games, uh, we, we got three of them. We, you can make an argument we got four of them. And I, I know the Raptors might get a little bit of flack for having two undersized point guards, but you're talking Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Fleet are some of the best perimeter defenders in the league. Uh, and we're a very switch-heavy team. Uh, and for a team like Miami, you need to be a switch-heavy team because a team like the Bucks, which, again, teams are loving, even regardless of how perimeter play has been throughout the bubble and you're seeing a lot of explosive scoring and explosive plays, uh, Coach Bud is kind of Boonholzer's kind of just been in his own little world where he still thinks that collapsing the paint and collapsing the rim at this time of the year is still an advantage when Miami is willing to shoot as many threes as you give them. Uh, and I, I think Toronto, which if you're going to nitpick the problems on their defense, uh, it's usually more so Ibaka. Uh, they're, they got five plus defenders on with that starting lineup and they're all switchable. Even Mark Souza still a high level defender at this, this point in his career. I, I much prefer Miami heat. And I think we could get them, them weak dudes out the paint immediately. I think Miami's not good. The bucks are just selling right now. Yeah. I ain't going to go that far to say that the heat aren't good. Well, they're not but, at our level. I, I, it just at this point in the playoffs, it's all matchups. So a, a right. team that wants to sink five people into the paint, knowing you have Duncan Robinson, uh, Tyler Harrow, Goran Dragic, uh, Kelly Olynyk's gonna chop it. You know, they're just Jay Crowder has been a revelation. A, what a great veteran pickup that's been for that team. And just a bunch of guys that are willing to shoot. But you know, when the going gets tough as a Raptors fan, would I be scared of Tyler Harrow trying to? one-on-one someone, or even Jimmy, Jimmy Butler, yes, to an extent, but if I put Ananobi on him, I'm not worried, you know, that, but it's just, it's different versus a Boston team where they have three legit shot creators at all times. So at least one of them is going to get a semblance of an advantage versus Miami, where it's a lot of Jimmy Butler and Bam at a bio creating shots, you know, three point shooting. And I think Toronto's just where athletic that that wouldn't be a problem versus the Bucks where, if Giannis gets his head out of his ass, this can still be a, a Bucks win in six, six or seven. Yeah, no, I definitely feel you, especially on the matchup stuff. I actually think that the Heat are a really bad matchup for the Bucks. Um, like, like you said, like it's not just about the better team, but like you said, the matchup too. So, like, this is probably this is probably the worst matchup the Bucks could have had, especially for a second round opponent. You would think, like you're saying, like. The Bucks are sagging. The, the Heat are probably the best three-point shooting team in the league, yeah. especially with the Warriors being hurt, um, you know, as just as, as a collective unit. Um, and they like I said, they have Bam. They got Jimmy. They got Andre Godala. They got Crowder. They got a lot of people that throw at Giannis. They got a good coach. But, yeah, when you flip it to the Raptors, I almost feel like the Raptors are – like a better version of the Heat, you know, like because the Heater don't have that one guy. I don't think the Raptors necessarily have that one guy. I agree. Uh, but the Raptors are a little more cohesive. Like they've been together, you know what I'm saying, longer. Jimmy Butler just got there. Uh, I think the the coaching matchup is probably a wash. 
um, you know, for better or for worse, just like a back and forth. That's, and that's crazy that, you know, in the East, like all the coaches are, are really good. Boonhoser, even though he's coach of the year, I'd probably put a fourth. Him last, yeah. Yeah, but he's still good. Like, he, I'd, have, I'd rather have him than Frank Vogel. <laughs> well, it, uh, Bud's problem has never been creating systems that have players thriving. He's always been good at that. Even going to back to those Atlanta Hawk days where he's taking a, you look at, look at that team on paper and you're thinking, uh, you know, they might be lucky to be seven, eight seed with what Al Horford, Damari Carroll, you know, Jeff Teague and them. And he got 60 wins out of them, but come playoff time, a lot of the things that happen in the playoff uh, is teams are really taking, they're looking for mismatches and hunting mismatches uh, to death and, you know, adjustments on the fly need to be a big thing. And Eric Spolstra, Nick Nurse, Brad Stevens, these they're, they're chess players as head coaches and they thrive in this environment. Um, I don't think too highly of a, of Doc Rivers as a head coach, even though he has a title, but he's kind of shown in that math series to uh, make adjustments on the fly as well. And you need to be able to do that come playoff time. And that's coach Bud's problem. Uh, the one thing going back to this conversation of Raptors and Miami Heat and whatnot, uh, Raptors are down 2-1 in a series where they're shooting, I think, around 30, less than 30% from three. Everyone loves three-point shots when they're hitting. But, again, three ball is a high-variance play. So, at some point, Miami's going to be faced with a game. It could even be uh, as of September 4th, today's game, where the shots don't fall. And at that point, who's going to be your creator? Jimmy Butler was able to do it game one. but if we look at a sample size of the regular season, he wasn't too much of a shot creator and he wasn't shooting all at a high clip uh, in the long mid range and at the three ball this year, but he was really good at game one. So maybe there's going to be more of an expectation that he's got to start creating his own shot. If the shots don't fall and that sometimes happens, the bucks are struggling with that. They're another good three ball, uh, three point shooting team. And a lot of their shots are not hitting and you have George Hill is the best shooter in the what George Hill and Kyle Korver. These are, two of the top 10 shooters in the league statistically and whatnot and Chris Middleton. So um, when you rely on a high variance play, which is fun and it's got them up 2-0, uh, Milwaukee still has the best player and the best equalizer in the league right now on Giannis. And there's going to be an expectation that um, Giannis and the Bucks are going to be ready to play. And if those don't, shots don't fall, uh, you got to find another way to get offense. And uh, I look forward to seeing how Miami is able to do that. And Jimmy Butler has been lights out. So um there's going to be more of a workload ready for him as the series goes yeah. on. No, I definitely feel you. I mean, I don't know. Like, part of me is just – I just don't know if Giannis is just good enough. Like, I mean, I understand the numbers and everything, especially the regular season, but it's just like when the going gets tough, like – and I think Siakam kind of runs into, the, into a less lesser degree. It's just like, yeah, like what's in your bag? Like what can you really – like? Yep. you know what I'm saying? Like what are your counters? Like what, what happens when they take away your plan A? Because that's what happens in the playoffs. Like – People are playing more intense. People are, you know, the W if they have to, extra help if they have to. Like, it's different, you know, than just running into the te a team on a Tuesday and you have, you know, 24 hours for a game plan. <laughs> yep. Compared to, you know, that's a best of seven. So even if your game plan is messed up, like we talked about in-game adjustments or in-series adjustments, you know, you can adjust. So that's my whole thing with Giannis. It's just like, uh, if he's just not getting to the rim – then, I mean, is he still – like, is he is he going to give me elite impact? I mean, last game he did, even though they lost to a certain degree, but he, like, at least by the numbers. But I don't know. Like, I'm just watching him every – and this has been the second playoffs in a row. I'm watching him, and it's just 
he's just leaving me wanting more. I agree, and I, I don't think it's just on the offensive end with Giannis where we're looking to see a, a little bit of a different game. They're still running him as a, a big help defender and weak side defender on a team that, I mean, they do back uh, backdoor cuts. They occasionally, you know, attack the rim with, with a Jimmy Butler or a Tyler Harrow. Um, but for the most part, they're hunting perimeter shots, and at some point you might want Giannis to maybe spend more of a – or make a more conceited effort on – maybe starting off with bam and then stepping up on those, on those handoffs or those, those screen and rolls um, or the screen and pops, excuse me, you might want a Giannis there ready to take away the three ball and maybe be a little more proactive versus I'm just going to park myself where the dunkers usually at uh, play weak side defense and just try to hunt for blocks rather than just make a conceited effort to get stops. And uh, something that coach Bud has ran uh, sometimes in the clutch during the regular season is having Giannis at the five which makes them much more switchable and it helps their offense because they're getting a, a better shooter. I like Brooke Lopez a lot. He's an elite rim protector and it, he looks like he's a great three ball shooter. Um, well, he's not, not this year. Um, so maybe if you can get a, a, a smaller guy over there, uh, someone that's a little more switchable on defense and then can actually be more of a threat to, to knock down a three ball because they're just collapsing. They're, they're putting three, four, uh, you know, straight line on Giannis cr creating a wall and then just daring Giannis to go right through it. And when shots don't fall, it's, it's not working, but you know, maybe if you'd add an additional reliable shooter there, uh, maybe it'll make players a little more hesitant to commit to that wall, which has been so effective so far. True. So, all right, moving on to the Western conference. We're going to get to the Western conference real quick. Um, I mean, the Clippers and Nuggets ain't really much to talk about. The Nuggets, they like, good job for even getting here, you know. <laughs> but, like, it's like it's y'all's time. Like, we already know what type of time it is. Like, y'all had Juwan, a good run. Juwan is waiting for Jamal Murray. Yeah, I'm going to say, say Cancun. You know, his girl, his girl back at home waiting for him. <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 what's the saying? One, two, three, Cancun. Yeah, what? one, two, three. Yeah, and then it's about to go ahead, go on fishing, get them reels out. Yeah. But I do think that the Rockets and Lakers is actually an interesting series. And I do think that people aren't – I feel like people are looking at Houston play OKC. And, one, I don't think people understand that OKC is actually good. So, they look at Houston going seven with OKC as a negative. Uh, and, two, you know, obviously Harden had his struggles the last two games. But, again, the Lakers don't have a dork. You know, they don't have nobody mm -hmm. like – like, like got, look – Danny Green put in some good quality serviceable years for the Spurs. But that boy, <laughs> hey, hey, they have, hey, hey, James Harden about to put that boy in a blender. Uh, KCP, yeah. KCP, same way. And then and Russ be, has put up big numbers on the Lakers. You know, I know mm -hmm. a lot of people talk about, you know, Damon, CJ, the Lakers don't have no answers at the guard, blah, 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 blah. But then we get to Houston with a better backcourt and – we're not hearing that same talk. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think the Lakers are going to win, but I think they're going to win in six or seven. I see a lot of Lakers in five talk. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know. What, what's your stance on, on that series? I think that's the most interesting series in the second round, um, I, at least definitely in the West. I'm just disappointed that people went back on their own word uh, and belief in OKC because before the series started, everyone was saying, even in the bubble, wow, OKC is going to be a problem for the Rockets. Oh, OKC is just really well coached and they play really hard. 
blah, 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 blase, blah. Chris Paul is still playing at a damn near an MVP level. Uh, Gilkis Alexander's development has been crazy. Gallinari is very reliable. And then they have, you know, a couple of young cats, uh, the undrafted young cats that, you know, are playing really well. They're going to cause a headache. And then when they did cause the headache, we're using that more to denounce the Rockets and the Rockets' ability rather than just saying that well, OKC's just been a very well-coached, very good team for 12 months now or less than 12 months now. So uh, I think the Rockets should have – you know, they should be excited. There's a four-versus-five matchup against a good team. They got ahead of it, and they used defense, which was a question mark with this notorious uh, historical small ball lineup that they got with P.J. Tucker at the five. Uh, the Lakers will make this series as easy for them as possible, depending on if AD is committed to playing the five or not, because you cannot run extensive minutes having JaVel McGee or Dwight Howard paired with you when you know you have a dead-eye shooter. Uh, they're running five out at all times, and that's a concern. And as well as with the loss of Avery Bradley, the guard place on the defensive side sounds Alex Caruso, who is uh, a negative offensive player, uh, in the bubble and playoffs, it is a concern. Uh, so you, you got to ask yourself, well, where does LeBron come into the picture? Because he's been elite defensively all year, but you need all his offensive output at all times, and you don't want to tax his body at this point in his uh, stage of his career and whatnot committed in the defensive end. So they'll have some question marks. AD will have to play to five extensive minutes. I know he's always found that as a headache. Uh, and I don't know why, because that's just the way the NBA is going today. And you need his versatility uh, at the five and you need to put someone smaller at the four. But even then, at that point, who do you put there? Because you could put Kyle Kuzma at the four, but he's been bad at the four. Uh, you could put Morris there. Morris has been solid. Um, and But at that point, is it do you want LeBron at the four? And then do you want to run three small guards there with two of them being defensive liabilities? KCP has not been a good defender throughout the bubble and playoff. Um, and Danny Green is just – he's just a bum at this point. And, you know, he, he was a bum last year in the playoffs. Like, I, I, I don't get it with Danny Green here. And, you know, it's the biggest robbery uh, of an NBA team in, in, in a minute there. What was it, three-year, 30-something racks, 30-something 30, million? So, uh, yeah, the, the Rockets are going to – they're going to pose a lot of problems. No one on that team is going to guard James Harden. No one on that team is going to be able to guard uh, Russ. And then a big question is the depth of the Rockets has been pretty solid at moments. Um, you're looking at third and fourth options that have had great games. Robert Covington has been very reliable. PJ Tucker's had his moments where he just can't miss from the corner. Austin Rivers has, if we're being honest, uh, and he's had a zigzag career, Austin Rivers has been a two-way demon throughout the bubble and playoffs. And he tries really hard, whether if you like his game or not. Like, And then Eric Gordon has been, I don't want to say he's been trashed throughout the whole year, but he's had his moments where he's figured it out. So there's a lot of depth there, scoring depth, which come playoff time you need. And then you got to ask yourself, uh, while the Lakers are an elite defensive team, when LeBron's not on the floor, which will be like three minutes, four minutes per game this series, where's the offense going to come from? Occasionally you get it from Kyle Kuzma, but more often than not, you need one of LeBron or AD on the floor. Um, so what happens if there's, um, missed open shots, or if there's an offensive slump. The Rockets are not planning on slumping. They're going to go out and run. They're going to go out and shoot. They're going to shoot the lights out. Whether or not it goes in, they're going to shoot that bitch. So um, this is going to be a long series. It's going to be a headache. I still expect because of the fact that you have the two best players on the floor that you give yourself a chance. But uh, the Rockets are not going to go out without a fight. And high-variance basketball, when you shoot a lot of threes, 
and you make them at a pretty decent clip, you know, you can play your way in and out of games pretty quickly. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. And damn, you didn't give, you know, the analysis from top to bottom. I don't even got nothing to say after that. <laughs> but give me, give me a quick prediction though. Uh, I, I, I think Lakers in six, uh, the one revelation uh, has been Anthony Davis's mid-range game, uh, and they're just too small. So unless they make a, a big commitment on double and triple teaming or doing the Giannis wall on AD, AD has a lot of skill. He has a, a legit bag, stuff that, you know, long, tall uh, athletic forwards like Siakam and Giannis have been struggling with, even Bam Adebayo to an extent, if you consider him in that realm. Uh, Anthony Davis has guard skills as a 6'11 power forward center. Uh, so I, it's just going to be really hard, the fact that he's shooting at such a great clip in that mid-range um, and, and can stretch the floor. And then at the same time, Le- LeBron James, uh, he's here to write a story uh, with everything that's been going on with society and whatnot. I try not to hype that part up too much, but LeBron seems like he's a man on a mission, especially with inconsistent play in the bubble and then uh, – that game one stinker where even though he had a triple double uh, versus the Blazers, uh, he wasn't looking to be aggressive with the basketball and handle the basketball in the clutch. Uh, He kind of shut up doubters pretty quickly there. So uh, you got LeBron James and you just have Anthony Davis who he's making playoff shots and, and you kind of need that versus James Harden is kind of either hunting a foul or hunting a three hasn't looked to really attack the basket. Hasn't really looked for the mid range. Russ, while he's a demon getting blowing past defenders and attacking the rim is not a shooter. Uh, so if they're taking heavy dosage, you really need them at their best and versus LeBron and AD. I don't think that's enough. Yeah, no, I definitely feel you. I can't really disagree with any of that really. So shit, that's going to be fun though. Yeah, it's definitely going to be fun. I mean, we'll, I'm going to get you back on so we can talk conference finals. I ain't going to have you predict the whole finals or nothing right now. Just kind <laughs> of keep it, kind of keep a second round. Raps and uh, sticks yeah. everywhere. Hey, that's what I, that's the, <laughs> that's that energy I need. Raps and sticks. <laughs> we're gonna see game four. I feel like if the raps can get game four, we're gonna really be cooking with some grease. Yeah. Oh uh, <laughs> I'll be I'm ready. Really, yeah, we get cooking some grease. A three one I ain't gonna feel right, but the if it's two two, that's gonna be a whole whole new ball game. Hey, you, you uh, talk my final thought on that is you talk to any Raptors fan, uh regardless of where this series goes, the fact that we've seen a title in our lifetime and we had a really competitive team post Kawhi Leonard and you know there's the threat of getting Giannis and the excitement of Ananobi and Siakam's continued development uh you know Raph fans we're, we're enjoying ourselves we're having a good time here man good for y'all I'm, I'm stuck with DeMar the, the, the Spurs the Spurs will get it one one day <laughs> man, I say, I'm, stu- I'm, stu- I'm stuck with DeMar and I'm and I'm not even mad at DeMar for real we need to get rid of DeMar or Aldridge one of the two but he, he played really well in the bubble he, he's gonna get an arm and a leg if y'all trade him y'all gonna have to re-sign him though right he's got a player option so he's player so option. I don't know so we'll see if he opts in I mean I don't think he'll opt in just because he seem he'll probably be the best free agent on the market mm-hmm. so I don't think that he would opt in for real but I don't know I don't know. I know we got he got a he got an opt in, and then Alter's got one year left too. So between the two, I oh. hope I'll, the best case scenario for for me is that he opts in and then gets traded. In. Well, nah, I can keep him for one more year, and then we just trade Aldridge. Okay. We just have, I don't. I can run it back with I, from what I saw in the bubble. We can run it back with DeRozan one more time. Uh, you know, he's been good. 
Keep it, it really a four good. guards. I like that little four guard thing we had going on. Like DeRozan was like the power forward basically, and we had White you know, Murray. Yeah, and Lonnie. And like Lonnie Walker, I'm a big fan of Lonnie yeah. Walker. I like I like Al Caperto too. I don't know if you guys will resign him. I think he's he's a restricted free agent. Yeah, he's summer. restricted. So I feel I feel like they're gonna resign him. They, I know they like him, but as long yeah, I just hope I just hope they don't they don't overpay. He shouldn't be getting more than like eight. Yeah, like eight to ten mil type. No, nah, I don't. Need, eight, eight is the max. Hey, okay. <laughs> right, well, like, we'll, we'll take him off your hands. Yeah. Hey, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got uh, he's got a nice little fan base. Yeah, I bet. But uh, he got a good fan base here. So, I, or you know, here the, with the Spurs or everything, everybody likes him too. So I, I definitely feel it. And another reason why I wouldn't mind Aldridge getting traded, you know, give him some more playing time because I don't like him next to Aldridge. But I don't want to talk about the Spurs too much. Uh, <laughs> that's gonna make me sad. All right, Reese, my good man. We've been talking about you coming on for a minute. We finally got you on. Oh, yeah, it's always a good time. Shout out Roddy Reports. Yeah, sir. Win or loss, we'll have you back for. Uh, you know, Raptors analysis and thoughts. Um, so, yeah, that's really it, bro. Appreciate All right. you. All yes, right. Sir, I, turn up this weekend. Pretty nice three-day weekend. You feel me? I just want to shout out Raptors, Mandem real quick. Raps in six. Boston, you're weak. No long talk. That's all I got. <laughs>